Illinois has their five-star point guard. Welcome into Inside the Arc, everyone. Sky Clark has announced his commitment to the Fighting Illini and joins their class of 2023 recruiting class. It moves the Illini into a top 10 national recruiting class along with Sincere Harris, Ty Rogers, and Jaden Epps. Clark, of course, is the headliner. Joined, as always, by Brandon Sinberg. Sim, we have major recruiting news in the 2023 recruiting class, and it's April 7th. Yeah, this uh, we knew the offseason was going to be hectic. We'd heard Sky Clark's name rumored for a while, but and we knew Illinois needed a point guard after Andre Corbello transferred out of the program. So uh, to have this, to have a guy like Clark, a in that a to bolster that recruiting class, the class that already had a few good combo guards and a, a two way wing that we both really like, like that makes that recruiting class a really good one, really versatile. I think. It's a class that I don't see any one and done guys. So it's like theoretically a group that should be able to grow together and just be like the future of the program. You know, we're, the Illinois is losing a lot of seniors and, and older guys this year in Trent Frazier, Demonte Williams, Jacob Grandison, like likely it seems Kofi Coburn. We don't know if he's coming back. The 2018 class had Io DeSumo, Tevian Jones, you know, Alan Tevian Jones, what a name. Those guys aren't here anymore. So, like, it, it, in a way, it felt like an, an era of Illinois basketball was closing. But now this feels like the group, along with the freshman class that played this year, this feels like the future of the program. And I can, I can, I feel like we can start to see the future of the program in these, like, six or seven guys. Yeah, I love the way you phrased that. I thought we, at times this year, particularly in the end of that Houston game, we could kind of see what the future was going to be. So let's kind of talk about what that future looks like for Illinois basketball. Uh, let's talk about the impact of getting Sky Clark. And – I think you kind of hit on it briefly there with Andre Corbello leaving, Trent Frazier leaving, Alfonso Plummer leaving. Those are probably three or four of your top ball handlers on a team that won a Big Ten title less than a month and a half ago. So to get Clark to come in as someone who can kind of at least be a combo guard, can handle it, be your primary, secondary ball handler, depending on what Illinois also does in the transfer portal. We're trying to talk about some of those other targets later in the episode. But to get Clark and have some that you feel like you can run your offense through along with a Jaden Epps, should Epps be a starter, such gets, you know, 15, 25 minutes a game, somewhere within that range, probably. Maybe Sincere Harris gets that. You feel like you have at least someone or a group of guys that you can trust to put their ball in their hands and at least have some sort of offense. Because I think that that was a major concern that you and I had talked about back and forth just in text change. And now it feels like you have something and someone that you can at least trust. Now, obviously Clark's coming off the torn ACL and he has been playing for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Um, maybe a little bit concerned that his explosiveness isn't there yet from what it was before the ACL tear. But at the same time, it's a top 30 guard, uh, top 30 prospect in the country, top 10 point guard, combo guard in the country. You feel like you're in a pretty good spot with him probably facilitating much of your offense. Because even like using a guy like Io, similarly ranked, you know, Iowa isn't really a point guard at his core, right? He's more of a combo guard. And I think Clark is kind of in that same role, you know, six foot four, six foot five, kind of wider set than Iowa was coming out of high school, but similar ranks, similar kind of play style, at least. Yeah, I actually saw Clark in January in person when I saw Ooh, him. Let's get the scouting report. I don't have much. Well, they, <laughs> played, they played a really bad team and Montverde's like a, it's a very loaded team. So it's like, you know, he wasn't asked to do too much. Like they have Dariq Whitehead, who's going to Duke, who's like arguably the best player in that class. So he, you know, felt like and it was like blowout game. But yeah, I am a little worried about the athleticism and the explosiveness and like 
how quick he really is with the ball. But I think if he can be a like Illinois does not need the next IO out of Sky Clark. I think that they're building the roster, or at least they're trying to, where they're gonna have competent players on the wings, guys that can score on the wings, potentially Kofi Coburn back. So you have a guy that can score inside. Like they don't necessarily need like the highs and lows that like an Andre Curbelo brought last year. I think they just need someone to kind of come in, handle the ball, help the team run offense and hit open shots. And I think if they simplify his role for his freshman year, he could be really good in that role. Um, it's obviously, a little, it is a little bit concerning when a guy has slipped throughout the rankings over the years, like just a year ago, he was top 10 and now he's 27th in 247 sports composite. Um, and you know, that's, it's not great. And the ACL injury was a part of it, but I think maybe that slipping down a bit and not being as like this top 15 guy maybe helps him lower his expectations and maybe he doesn't feel like he needs to be a one and done and has to take 15 shots a game and take tough shots. Like I really think that he can come in and play just a steady role, be a steady ball handler. And if Illinois can recruit the right pieces around him, it's the exact kind of lead ball handler that they need. Yeah, and I like what you kind of said there with the idea of he doesn't need to be a lead ball handler all the time. And I think something, and let's kind of dive into this, a guy that I think I'm particularly high on in the portal, I think someone that you're interested in, or someone that we both think would be a good fit for Illinois in the portal is Courtney Ramey. Someone who kind of is that kind of same mold of a combo guard, but just more experienced. You're probably going to trust him a little bit more with the ball in his hand. Obviously, Ramey coming from Texas looking for an expanded role. His role kind of shrank this past year at Texas with guys like Askew and Disu coming in in that backcourt for Chris Beard. And Ramey also entered the NBA draft. You know more about this than I do. You said before, he's probably not going to get drafted. So mostly just going there for feedback. I would be, I would be like completely stunned if he got drafted. But So, you know, you, he's someone who I would be really high on. Maybe he's not that pure point guard kind of mold that you had with Andre Corbello a little bit, but I think with, if you get a guy like Ramey, you get a trusted guy that you can know is going to defend really well, really good catch and shoot guy, really going to help you space the floor with guys like Clark, guys like Epps, uh, RJ Melendez, Luke Goody as well. And that becomes really, really important if you're going to have a guy like Kofi on the inside who kind of hurts your spacing on the interior. Uh, so I think Ramey is someone that they should kind of target. And I think that's someone that they are kind of targeting right now. And there's going to be other point guards and ball handlers that only discovers in the transfer portal and other guys that they're able to target in the next couple of weeks, because it's coming up here. Uh, May one, I believe is the last day that players can enter the transfer portal and still have that immediate eligibility. So there's going to be another flood of guys here in the next couple of weeks as these workouts kind of conduct across the country and teams bring in people you know, that's going to lead to more players entering the portal. And I think Illinois is going to be able to find someone should they want someone in the backcourt to go along with Sky Clark, uh, to go along with Jaden Epps and Sincere Harris and RJ Melendez and all these other guys that they're going to put the ball in their hand because they're, they're going to clearly play a lot more, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, a more modern style, more up and down, kind of like how we saw Brad Underwood play when he first got to Illinois. Yeah, you can never have too many ball handlers, especially when both guys are like 6'3-ish. That means like defensively they can guard college twos. Yeah, you can never have too many ball handlers. Um, like I like the theory where like the, the theoretical, like Illinois plays like Sky, like a bunch of wings. And that could work too, and that could be interesting. But having like a fifth-year guy like Ramey, who's been a point guard on a lot of good teams, 
played in big games. You know, he won't get scared by the moment or environment. Could be really good for Illinois. Uh, Someone who Illinois has connections to as well, coming out of St. Louis Webster Groves High School back in the 2018 class, I believe. God, that feels like it was so long ago. Makes me feel old. Makes us feel old. That's how old we are. Uh, you know, they have connections there. They recruited him. He took a couple of visits. That's obviously Brad Underwood's territory. He's the only one left on that staff, ironically. But, you know, you do have some connections. There's some fam- familiarity. And I think that does add some comfort level if you're able to really get in deep with Ramey. So I feel like I feel like we should like actually talk about the roster now and who's left. Like we haven't really hit on that and like what it's even projected. You're probably right. I mean, yeah, there's a so lot I mean, of moving parts. So I mean, since since our last episode, Andre Curbelo entered the transfer portal. Omar Payne entered the transfer portal. Trent Plummer or Trent Frazier, Alfonso Plummer, Demonte Williams have exhausted their eligibility. Jacob Grandison does have a year left. It doesn't sound to me like they're, he's going to use it, though. He's, he's been not- really quiet about it, I, in my opinion. He's just someone who I think, Sam, he just wants to start his life. He just mm-hmm. finished his, like, fifth year. Does he really want to do a sixth year? I, I don't know. It's, who wants to be in college um, for six years? Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't been here for, the like, the fall workouts I've started. He hasn't been on any of the social media pictures. I don't, don't think he's here for that. Um so that's like, that's an exodus of six. And then Kofi Coburn, we're awaiting. But as, I mean, and he's not here for workouts, but he's still on the team and hasn't announced. Apparently in Jamaica. Yeah, he hasn't announced his intentions yet. So I guess when you're projecting next year starting five, Sky Clark's going to start. Like, you don't, you don't bring that kid in and like, you have to promise him to start. So he's at the one or two. Um, RJ Melendez is, is going to start. I, I feel pretty confident saying, regardless of who they bring in, you know, RJ is a pretty versatile guy. Um, he had some really good flashes at the end of the year. And to me, me no, he was the best freshman to me. Yeah. Apologies to Luke Goody, who I thought had some solid moments. But Luke RJ, was probably the most consistent freshman, but I think RJ was the best freshman. And RJ was hampered by the stomach appendicitis thing, too. Like, yeah. that doesn't happen. RJ, and that happened at the worst time for him, too. Think about how well he was playing before that happened. I mean, he was – he had taken over – the role of the freshman that comes in as that eighth, ninth guy um, or seventh, eighth guy, I guess it probably really would have been. He took that mm-hmm. from Luke Goody and was really contributing at that time. So I think he's just started one of the two or the three spots and the front courts where it's, it's interesting. I mean, there were some Coleman Hawkins rumors, but he's still on the roster. He's been at workouts. Like I think if he's back, he's probably going to start at the four unless or the like five, depending on if Kofi's gone. Um, well, so I think if Kofi's gone, um, I think if Kofi's gone, Dane Danger will start at the five. The buzz. Yeah, I think I think if Kofi's gone, you're just gonna have two guys playing the front court. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're necessarily playing a position. Yeah, Coleman's court actually taller. Five. Coleman's actually taller than Dane, but Dane's more of a center. But yeah, it seems like the staff is like they seem to like Dane Danger. They seem to like his skill set. I've seen him play in a couple open runs, and like he definitely has an interesting blend of like some passing and some dribbling ability that we have not seen from a center at Illinois. So like, I feel like, you know, like two to four ish of who the starting lineup might be. And then that means the biggest needs now are another guard slash a two guard, which is why they're in on Brandon Murray and they're in on Corny Ramey. Uh, A name we haven't mentioned yet, Taryn Shannon. Now he's more of a traditional wing. He is like a, Ford slasher, not a great shooter, but another older, experienced guy. One of the, he'll be, would be the best athlete 
we've had in our time here at Illinois. Um, he's someone I think you could plug in at the three or the four, depending on how big or small you want to play. Like he's a good Swiss army knife uh, as kind of the recruiting expert here. Like what have you heard about his recruitment? Yeah, with Shannon. So I think early with him, it was an ex- expectation that would, that Illinois and Kentucky were like early leaders. Right. But I feel like a lot of things have kind of slowed down with that. There seems to be a lot of moving parts, a lot of different schools trying to get involved. Um, but I also think there's just like a concern from a lot of people. It's like, okay, like how good is he actually right? Cause this past year at Texas tech, we saw a lot of his numbers kind of decrease. And I think there is kind of a concern that the back spasms that he had kind of lingered throughout the season. And then he has that lower body injury to his knee or his ankle, I've heard that Illinois and Kentucky are both really interested. I've heard that Michigan's interested as well. But then you kind of come into the, like, the world of, you know, he's going to have one year of eligibility or two years of eligibility left. He's only going to end up using one of those in all likelihood. That affects the ability of, to get him to school anywhere he goes, not just Illinois, not just Michigan or Kentucky, because bringing someone in for one year, you know, you have the – you know, you have the academic side of it with schools. And I know that's something that Illinois fans have been really accustomed to for a long time is the struggles of getting highly touted players into school at Illinois. And I think that's something that Michigan fans have probably been accustomed to as well. I don't follow who gets in and who doesn't get into school at Michigan as much as I do at Illinois, but I think that that's going to take a while. I think that this whole process is going to take a while for him. And this is something I've said to you, is if you're in the transfer portal or you're recruiting someone from the transfer portal, it's more advantageous for both parties to be patient and to not rush it because you don't really have anything to rush forward to. It's not like in high school when you're coming out and you have to secure a spot. Now you still have to secure a spot, but with the portal, the advantage of taking things patiently from a team perspective is you can see who else enters, kind of like what I said earlier. And from a player's perspective, you can see who else enters and what other schools may need a player like you. So I think being patient is an advantage for a guy like Terrence Shannon Jr. I would expect a decision to be made for him after May, after May 1, uh, just because I think that's when you're going to start to see players kind of find their different landing spots based off of the fact that you're not going to see new people enter and have immediate eligibility. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, Shannon, yeah, from what I've heard too, from people I know with connections to Chicago, this isn't one that's like, this, there's no under the table deals right now. Like everything, like there's no, like nothing set in stone. Like it's going to take a while. But I think the good thing is he's like, a, if you get him, you start him at one of your wing spots and he just improves your lineup versatility. And if not, wings, one of the spots I do feel better about for Illinois next year. We talked about Melendez. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, Luke Goody, like, I think he takes a step up in year two. Super he's, high floor there. I think he's someone who can play. I think if he, they put some weight on him, he can play the four even um, and just be like another option to stretch the floor. Would fit well with Kofi Coburn because he can shoot. Um, we talked about Coleman Hawkins who's also there at the four. Incoming freshman Ty Rogers, we both have really liked from what we've seen at him on him. Like he seems like his question mark is how good of a shooter is he? And he's mm-hmm. not a great shooter, but he guards his ass off. He's a really good rebounder, good passer. You know, he's kind of a wing and a four's body, right? Like he's six foot seven, six foot eight, top 50 prospect. Like that kid's a dog. He just can't shoot. Yeah. It feels to me he's going to be so, he's going to do so many, so he's, he's going to be so good at defense and do so many things. He's going to be a Brad Underwood favorite. I just feel like he's going to, he's be, just going to get on the court. Mm-hmm. 
So, right. Like, and if, and if all these other pieces fall into place, let's say you get Kofi back. Let's say that, you know, you get a Brandon Murray, a Terrence Shannon Jr., someone on the wing who can score. You get a Courtney Ramey to facilitate the offense as a good catch and shoot guy. You're not going to need Ty Rogers to be an elite scorer for you. The problem is, I don't know how well you can play a Ty Rogers and Kofi on the court together at the same time because neither one of them can shoot it from more than, you know, at least consistently shoot it in Ty's case from more than 15 feet out. And we know Kofi can't do that to begin with. But I think it would be really interesting to see a tie play with a Coleman, someone who can shoot it from the perimeter. I think it's fair to expect Coleman's shooting percentages to go up in his junior year, should that be at Illinois, if he decides to stay. Um, and like you said earlier, there's been rumors that he would decide to enter the portal, and those haven't happened yet. So I think that would be an interesting kind of lineup. And to me, Sim, what this is all coming down to is versatility. I feel like the last two, three years, Illinois has had so many guys that are you're a point guard, you're a two guard, you're a combo guard, you're a center. I think when we're starting to see this team come into play with all these different names, it's guys who can play so many different positions. Yeah, it's good. It's what Brad Underwood wants. It's what Houston did a little bit. Um, I think you saw last year's Baylor team that won the title do a little bit of it. I mean, they're more guard heavy, but they're kind of on the wings, like just the switching, that's the versatility. Like you can tell by who they're going after in the portal, how they want to play. And I think that, I think you're seeing Brad get back to his roots. You're seeing what made him successful at Stephen F. Austin. You're seeing what got his one team at Oklahoma state successful into the tournament. Right. And like he came to Illinois and he tried to do that same thing and it didn't work because he didn't have the talent to do it on his first two, three, well, first two teams in Illinois, but then he got the talent and he had to change to what his talent was, most notably Kofi. And now he's trying to change back to what his core is. And I think you said it best with who they're targeting and recruiting, who they're targeting in the portal. You can see that that's what they're doing. Yeah. If, if Kofi does come back, it will be interesting to see like, are they playing different when he's off the court? Are they playing different with him on the court still? Like, are they, trying to be more modern and take, take him away from the basket. Like, is he actually going to start shooting jumpers? I, I would assume no. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting even if Kofi does come back. But if he doesn't, do you feel like Illinois, with, with Payne transferring, do you feel like Illinois just needs to go after another five, just a, a big buy to, to gobble up minutes? I do. I think, I think a really good example of someone you want to kind of attack or follow would be a uh, – and I think you maybe want more production out of this kind of player, but I think like a Joey Brunk type at Ohio state, someone mm-hmm. who's, you know, seven foot long, maybe doesn't have the highest ceiling, but the floor isn't a abnormally low. Like they're not going to get destroyed, but if you need a seven footer, cause you're going against, let's say Hunter Dickinson comes back at Michigan and you want a seven footer to match up there. You're going to have one if you need it. I think, you go and try and find someone like that maybe from the mid-major level or the a lower tier power five kind of guy who's entered the portal that's, you know, close to seven foot. Like, I don't know. What do you think about that? I think finding someone in that yeah, Joey kind of mold, right? Yeah, like Indiana had Michael Durr last year. Yeah, that's um, a really good comparison too. Um, Like just kind of a big buy to eat up minutes because and like, it's not that I don't like Benjamin Bossman's Verdon can do it and like it, it seems like he'll be on the team next year but like i would really prefer like a slight upgrade um i don't I mean, think you want boss man's playing 20 minutes a game should he have to 
Yeah. I think I won't... you'd rather have a Joey Brunk, Michael Dirk type play 20 minutes, should they have to. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right. The So I guess the next thing that I wanted to ask you is, like, if they get some of these pieces, like maybe a Shannon, maybe a, like maybe one or two of Shannon Murray, one, like may, and Kofi comes back, like how would this team compare? Like is Illinois like we thought this might be a rebuilding year, but it seems like Illinois could be right back where they were the last two years in the thick of the Big Ten race, like ranked for most of the season. Like is that is do you think that's possible again for this program? Is, is I think better? that's the beauty of the portal, right? Like I think it allows you to rebuild really quickly. But it also has like the negative side of the portal is that it has the ability to, you know, really hurt the mid-majors because they just get picked apart by, you know, high major programs. They're kind of like a victim of their own success. I guess you could almost say like look at a Reeves leaving an Illinois State. Like that's a kid who averaged around 20 points a game. He's going to be a high major player in a year. And that that's really rough for an Illinois State to lose that kind of player. But I think – you're looking at an Illinois team. Should they get all these pieces? Should it all fall into place? Yeah, you're looking at a top three, four team in the Big Ten again. And that means you're probably competing for another Big Ten title. Now, I think maybe the better question here is, is that kind of team more built to be successful in the NCAA tournament? Because, and this is something we spent a lot of last year talking about, it's they're going to have to get to the second weekend for it to be deemed a success, I think. Now, I think if you win the Big Ten again, it's it's going to be viewed as a success no matter what, right? Like, that's just not how you're – you're just not going to look at it and be like, this was a failure. We didn't make it to the second weekend. But I think what Brad is recruiting to does lead to more success in the NCAA tournament. And I think that that's why he's recruiting to this because I think he realizes that, like, hey, like, I got to win games in the NCAA tournament at this point. That's the next step. Yeah, I think that it's it, – it's, this team is going to have a lot more question marks and like uh, they could be this, they could be that, that I think any team we've seen before, just because like, we don't really know how good Sky Clark is. We don't know what this new system may or may not look, look like. We don't know how good Dane Danger is. Like how big of a leap do, do Coleman and RJ take? Like it felt like the last few years, you knew what you were getting from IO. You knew what you were getting from Kofi. You knew what you were getting from Trent Frazier. Alfonso Plummer kind of was as advertised. Like he had four years of college ball under him. You knew DeMonte, you knew Jake, like, this year, there's just, with all these younger guys, there's so much like uncertainty, and like that could be a good or a bad thing. They could be way better, way more athletic, and way more dynamic than we expected, or they might more take more time to gel, and they might not, you know, they might not take the leaps we wanted. But like, it's to me, I think that this is one Illinois team that's going to be really hard to peg, and it's going to be just really fun to watch their development and see how good guys really are. Like. I think Dane Danger could be like our version of Baylor's Jonathan Chamochachua and just be like this elite kind of playmaking defensive center. And he, he, you know, he could surpass everyone's expectations or, you know, he's never played a college game. Like he might just be okay. It, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Well, and you may hate this comparison, but I'm interested to see what you think. Think about like Texas last year with all the moving pieces they had, but they did have some good pieces coming back. Now, they're probably not. So let's say Kofi comes back. Cause I think this is the world we're talking in right now mm-hmm. is you're returning an all American potential player of the year type player before the season begins. That makes your floor, your top 15 team to begin with at that point. And you're a big 10 favorite probably at that point as well. But 
think about like this Texas team that we just saw, you know, they returned some good pieces with the Jones, with the Ramey, but then they brought in so many, so many new guys with Adisu, with Timmy Allen, you know, all the other pieces that they had ask you, right? Like it took them a while to gel. It took it all to kind of work well for Texas to take a while. And they ended up being a six seed in the tournament and they were really talented and whatever. Right. But like, is that a similar kind of situation where lots of new pieces take some time to gel, take some time to figure things out and make it all work well. Is that kind of in the same kind of thing? Cause I think you could be in a similar spot where you've got so many different pieces, a lot of talented pieces and you just have to make it all work. Yeah. And I think our, I think Illinois is like, it'll be a little bit harder just because like, at least like Christian Bishop had played like multiple years of college and like, you know what I mean? Like Jones and Ramey were veterans and uh, DeSue had played two years. Like Sky Clark never played a college game before. Dane Danger never played a college game before. RJ Melendez and Luke Goody, not a ton of experience. I mean, yeah. they, they were getting DNPs. Like Illinois will have the, to get guys up to the college level, like to get, get them used to playing in college and playing with each other. And it's not going to be easy, but you know, and, and, with, Illinois does at least have a Big Ten ACC challenge next year, which like could be a good game. Who's it gonna be? We know they're going to Vegas <laughs> for the like they're playing. Uh, is that the Roman event? I think that's the Roman event. Yeah, There's so many they, different events. Do they play two games in that or one? You know, I think it's two, and I, it's Baylor, Virginia, and uh, UCLA. UCLA. Baylor, Baylor UCLA. potentially the number one preseason team in America. Baylor and UCLA are gonna be really good. Like. I think with the non-conference, you can you can schedule some cupcakes to help these guys get into the, the gist of things. You can play some like decent teams and you have some real challenges. You're gonna have like, Mizzou on the schedule like you always do. Yeah. Oh, are they still fielding a basketball team next year? Probably. They got a new head coach, Dennis Gates, baby. Yeah, and I think he's hired zero assistants or one assistant. And I think like, it might be one at this point. I feel like he was hired like three weeks ago. I feel like, you know, if you're a new head coach, you should probably try and get a staff as quick as possible so you can get a new roster from the portal as quick as possible because that roster is a mess. <laughs> um, okay, so another name we haven't mentioned. I'm actually surprised we haven't mentioned him yet. Adam Miller. It, and maybe that's, like, that's kind of how his recruitment has gone. Like, since he has entered the portal, I haven't seen the John Rothstein tweet where he lists, like, the 15 schools that are talking to him including like the eight schools that like obviously have no chance and just like called him. Um, so um, <laughs> I love how you're just taking a dig at Rossi and just list of 15 schools and like seven of them I've never heard of. Yeah. I, like, I know I've been mean, cracked to Rossi and he gets the sources, he gets the scoops, but like, come on, dude. Like the, the best like big man center in the country isn't going to freaking Utah Valley. Like, come on, like, come on. Like, well, he just left Utah Valley. Yeah. But you know what I mean? He's not right. No, not... Utah state. No, where was he at? Yeah. Utah Valley. Where was that from? How do you say his name? Uh, Fardaz. I, I don't know how to say I it. I don't know. We're talking about that same kid. He was a stud. Uh, all right. Sorry. Back on track. Adam Miller. Um, yeah. I think he actually, to me, just in terms of like pure roster fit, would be like the perfect, like, I think Brandon, uh, him versus Brandon Murray is interesting. I don't know who I think is better, um, but he would be the perfect two guard because I believe in his ability to run some point and handle the ball a ton. 
when like Sky Clark needs a breather or when you want to mix it up. Whereas Brandon Murray is more of a traditional two guard. Um, and he to me would be the perfect fit. Are we going to be able to mend the fences, bring the marriage back? Like, I don't think so. Um, I've heard Missouri for him if they maybe hire his former AAU coach. I heard Michigan for him, which can you imagine if, if Adam Miller went to Michigan in that first game? Do all my fans hate him more if he goes to Mizzou or Michigan? Michigan. Really? Okay. I don't think Missouri is shit to us. And if they if like they hire one, I, if they hire one of the Irvins, then it's like at least like makes sense. But if he goes to Michigan and he's teammates with Hunter Dickinson or something, like I'm sorry, this is just I mean, oh my fan, you know what I think is really funny about this entire situation with Adam Miller? Like it's close to a year ago. I don't know, I don't remember the exact day that he left. It's close to a year ago at this time. That he enters a transfer portal, and it's bam. Oh, he wasn't even that good. We don't need him. We have Carbello. They're gonna be fine. Now it's Andre or uh, Miller is back in the portal. Adam, come back home. Come back to Illinois. You'll be so good here. Carbello's gone. Like you can control the offense. It's your show. Come back home. Be the savior again. It's hilarious. Yeah, it, it is crazy too that like. Curbelo and Miller were the backcourt of the future. Miller left after his freshman year. Curbelo left after his sophomore year. And, like, I don't think Illinois – like, like, we talked about, like, 15 minutes ago. Like, Illinois is still going to be a top 20, 15 team if things go the right way. Like, they lost, like, the two top 50 guards who were supposed to be the future of the program. And if they ever, like, both got healthy and right and played together and, like, you know what I mean? They actually, like, it makes a lot of sense with them together. Oh, my like, gosh. Actually, it makes an incredible amount of sense. It, it would have been awesome. But they lost those guys – and they're still in a position to be top 15 and 20. And, like, you just got to tip your cap to Brad Underwood. Well, I th- wow, Tiger just hit an absolute incredible golf shot. Sorry. I'm watching the Masters, everyone. Sim hates golf. That's the last uh, one today. I'll, I'll watch on Sunday if it's interesting, especially if Tiger's in it. I will, like, oh, wait, are you rooting for Tiger? Why would I not root for Tiger? Okay, I don't know. I mean, I, feel I don't like- think he's going to win. I don't even know if he's going to make a cut. He's currently at even par through, like, 10. No, through 12. Um, I don't think he makes I – don't, I don't know if he makes a cut. If he saves it even, he'll be right around it. All right, sorry. Back to what – what were we talking Adam about? Adam Miller. Oh, Underwood. Oh, yeah, Brad. I think, he, I think this says a lot about how good of a job Brad Underwood is doing and how good of a job Brad continues to do at Illinois because let's not, like, play blind here, Sim. There's been a lot of people out there who have been – who after they lost to Houston was like, well, like, is this the guy? Is this like, who should be leading Illinois? Without a doubt, he is a person who should be leading Illinois. And the decision to give him that one-year extension, give him a $500,000 raise or whatever the exact numbers are, you have to do those things to keep him on, you know, that six-year kind of rolling contract, as long as he continues to deserve that. And you look at the success that he's given Illinois the last two, three years, you're going to take that every year because eventually you're going to break through in the NCAA tournament. So I give Brad a lot of credit for being able to mend these fences. Now we don't know exactly if this 22, 23 team is going to be really, really good. We don't know yet. Like we don't, like you said it best, like we don't know how good Sky Clark is going to be. He's a freshman. We don't really know how good Ty Rogers are going to be. Do we think they can be pretty good players? Do we think they can be, you know, all big 10 freshman team type players? Yeah. Illinois is going to have one of the best recruiting classes in the Big Ten. 
They've got four top 100 recruits. Holy cow, that's impressive. I don't think I'd actually said that yet. Four top 100 recruits. Wow. That's awesome. Stars matter, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you're going to have talent, but eventually, does the talent all work? And I, I, I trust Brad Underwood to make it work after what we've seen the last couple of years. As well. One um, other thing. Okay, yeah, I, you have more transfer thoughts or portal. Yeah, I, I do have one one other, I guess, kind of big picture, maybe nitty-gritty at the same time kind of question. When you look at what the rest of the Big Ten is kind of doing right now, I don't think the rest of the league is kind of trying to get this, like, wingy style athletic run up and down play like a big 12 program kind of style like Illinois is trying to do no I I don't either Purdue's probably bringing back Zach Eady Uh that's gonna be be a lot of second I think Purdue's gonna be really good next year um especially they can land Kansas State transfer Nigel Pack who's on a visit there right now like I think I think it's the Matt Painter revenge tour where it's like he doesn't have that much talent, and that's when he's best. Um, and, you know, he took some flack this year, probably deservedly so. Oh, and he took, dude, that team should have won the Big Ten running away with it. After what we St. saw Peter's. for Michigan this year. They lost to St. Peter's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you had Jay Ivey in your season. So did Kentucky. Um, well, Cal deserves some flack for that. But, like, yeah, I think, you know, Purdue is going to run everything through Zach Eady. Indiana could bring back Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. They could look very similar to how they look. How do you feel about your Hoosiers? They got, I mean, they have to bring those guys back, though. They have, like, otherwise, it's, it's – How do you like, feel about your point guard situation? Good. Um, oh, no, do you? Xavier, Xavier Johnson, he did uh, – I don't feel good about <laughs> Shut him. Shut up. You say good. Your starting point guard was arrested, like, two weeks ago. Okay, I don't feel good about him as a person. Okay. Um, but well, I, mean, I know hey, I'm rooting for Tiger, but I don't know how good of a person I think yeah, Tiger is. I think he's good, and they have a five-star point guard coming in, also from Montverd, Jalen Hood Shafino. So it's weird. Right five-star point guard is better. Uh, Hood Shafino, he play, he played more on that Montverd team. I'm not I'm not even kidding. They were on the same team. We can here comes the rivalry. Has McDonough in Indiana is so back. Um, Hood Shafino versus Sky Clark could be fun, but yeah, but in, no, Indiana needs to bring Tracy Race back. Otherwise, they just have like. No guy that I feel like could get 10 points in a given game. <laughs> so anyway, here's my big picture question is how does a big 12 style like team work in the big 10 over the course of a regular season? Yeah. I'd be interested to see how it like goes through like throughout 20 games. Like it'd be a great like test. You know what I mean? Of like, yeah, we're going to play like this Purdue. We know you're going to give Zach E the ball 30 times Michigan. We know you're going to give Dickinson the ball 30 times. Like, we're going to have like danger operate dribble handoffs out of the high post. And like, we're going to try to pressure you with our wings. Like it'll be interesting contrast. for Here's how I think it works. I think it either works incredibly, incredibly well. And you continue to run rough shot over the big time. Like you've done the last three years. And the rest of the league has to figure out how to adapt to it and recruit to it so they can compete with you. Or you're a top five, six team in the league and you're better positioned to be successful in the NCAA tournament. So I think in, in the grand scheme of things, I think it works for Illinois either way. But 
I'm interested to see, I guess, more how the rest of the Big Ten adapts to what Illinois is trying to do. Because they have been, you know, in my opinion, I think over the last three years, you can say Illinois has been the gold standard in the league. In conference play, yes. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You won the most games. Yeah. Now, you won, you have, you only have one true regular season championship to say that you have because of Nebraska, which is just so funny. It's just hilarious. Shout out, shout out to Shout out to Hoiberg. Somehow has a job. But shout out Fred Hoiberg. Bulls legend Fred Hoiberg. Right, Sim? Yeah, he got every every part of the, the Bulls bad process got them to where they are now, which actually isn't very good anymore, but, you know, at least in the playoffs. Hey, uh, the Bulls are where we thought they would be before the season started. Know, yeah, that's why when people are like, oh, the Bulls suck. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, this is actually probably who they were. And they, like, they lost Lonzo Ball to injury. Caruso missed so many games. And Patrick Williams, like, Considering all the injuries and stuff they had, like this is actually like it's, it's been a successful year. Now, do you read the tea leaves of Kawhi wearing the White Sox hat in Chicago on the bench a week ago, two weeks ago, as he is hiring with the Bulls this offseason? No, that's called drip. Like a White Sox hat is like kind of like drippy and fashionable. Um, do you know why that is? It's, I think it's just a cool, like simplistic, like color scheme. Like you can. It, it, I mean, it, it goes back. It goes back to NWA, because they all, oh. you know, the rap group that yeah. yeah, they always wear Raiders and White mm-hmm. Sox hats because it's black and white and black and silver. Yeah, like it just it's simplistic. It's like it can go with any fit. So like that's all. So, so are you a White Sox hat out kind of guy, or are you a Cubs hat? I'm not a hat guy. If you're if you're if you've ever seen me in a hat, a beanie. Yeah, that, that's what it's called. You're cold. a big beanie guy in the winter. Yeah, that's fair. But like, I don't. Why aren't you a hat guy? It just doesn't look, it's just not my look. It just does not look good on me. I, I don't know what it is. I don't I, know do I look good in hats? I like you better without a hat, but like you can oh, really I think I think I, I know hat would be my um, preference for you. But, <laughs> um okay. As we we're getting way off the rails here. Last thing before we wrap up, uh I guess it could be like buzzer beater. I mean K- Kansas won the national championship. A team I'd say Oh yeah, we gotta get a good buzzer beater with this. Yeah, a team I'd say throughout the year, like you definitely, I was definitely a little bit higher on them than you. You were there never- was a time where I may or may not have texted you that I was out, and that was when Murray and Remy Martin were both awful, and David McCormick was still playing like crap. I would like to say that that was when those three players were not good. They started to play good, and I was kind of back in. Yeah, I mean, it in a year where it was wide open. Kansas to me is like somewhat a fitting champion. Like they got hot at the end. They like they did kind of get hot towards the end of the year. They won like the last like 12 or so games. And they were old, they were veteran, and they had an easy path too. Like, I'm not like they beat the teams they needed to beat. Like UNC did beat Duke, and then they did beat UNC. It's like they, they beat the teams they needed to beat. They beat Miami, who beat Auburn. Like, you know, but their path is definitely a little bit easier. But I guess my take is that even though they were a deserving champion, they were 33 and six. Only lost one dumb game on a buzzer beater. Like they were, you know, it's Kansas. They had pros. They had good players. It's the worst championship team I think since 2014 UConn. I that like not better than that Baylor team. Not better than Virginia in my opinion. Not better than either, either Nova team. I don't really remember 2017 UNC a ton, but like they That's were. That's the like, Marcus Page year, isn't it? Yeah, they were the revenge year after they lost, but they were the number one overall seed and were 33 and seven with a similar record. But to me, this, I don't remember them as better. Don't think they were better than Julia Okafor's team. So, I, like, 
it was probably the worst championship team we had in like seven or so years. But also, I think it was just a week here at the top. I would have said that about the other team. Would you have said that about Duke? No. Okay, probably not Duke. But would you have said that about Gonzaga? Yes. Yes. I think the other title teams are uh, yeah. But you know what's weird about that is Gonzaga is number one overall seed. But it was. They would you have like, said that about Arizona? I think so. I was never that in on them. Like, and I think oh, you were all in on them after they smoked UCLA in the Pac-12 I mean, championship I picked them game. To win it all, just because I thought their path was easy, and I, I just picked them to win it all because I thought their path was easy. Um, God, did everyone sleep on Houston in their before their bracket pools? But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like Kansas was good; they were a deserving champion, in my opinion. They came back from 15. It wasn't a great game, though. I mean, I didn't think it was actually this great of a game, but it was close, but I wasn't like... It was It was a very poorly coached game by each staff in opposite halves. Like, Kansas had an awful game planned in the first half, and that's someone... Bill Self is like a mastermind when it comes to game plans and drawing up plays and being prepared. Like, very rarely do I ever say that Bill Self gets outcoached. He was extraordinarily outcoached in the first half of that game. Yeah, he was. And then in the second half, I thought Hubert Davis was outclassed. Mm -hmm. Because they just stopped, you know, like, well, actually, I don't really know how much they were outclassed in the second half. I think Kansas just played like a national title team in the second half. And I don't think North Carolina was good enough for that. It's what they it's what they did to Miami too. Like Miami was beating them in half and then Miami literally couldn't score in the second half. I mean the North Carolina that we saw in the second half of that game against Kansas, in my opinion, is a North Carolina that we saw most of this season. Well I will also I'll give Carolina some credit. They were depleted. Like Baycott was on one leg all night. Caleb Love rolled his ankle and like didn't totally look hundred percent. Kansas also had the matchups for him though. They should I should I, should I should I say the question that I texted you about Caleb Love's injury? Or should I not? I forgot what you told me. One about the shoes. Oh, the Jordans. Um, <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not doing it. Uh, they literally, I mean, they this Puff Johnson guy came off the bench to have a great game, and then he literally threw up on the court and then had to come back in. Like, Do they run enough suicides at North Carolina practices? Maybe not. Or maybe humans are not meant to play 40 minutes a night every game. Long <laughs> stretch. One of those two. Okay, so I'll give my buzzer beater take and we can get out of here. So I'm generally not a big fan of like the way too early top 25 polls. Now I understand why a lot of people are, and they're definitely a lot of fun to like look at and read about. Uh, I know Arkansas is kind of like a trendy one. There's some other trendy picks. USCLA we talked about could be preseason number one next year. Uh, One team that's popped up in the top 10 a lot this year uh, right after the final four is North Carolina. They've been around like top 10, top five. I think that they're kind of being slightly overrated. Uh, kind of like UCLA was a little bit this year, if you kind of think about it, right? Like UCLA started this year, I think third, and they kind of fell out of the top 10. And we kind of saw they were probably closer to like top 15 than they were top five. I think we're kind of seeing the same thing with North Carolina. There's so many moving parts. Expect Armando Baycott to probably be back. Caleb Love will probably test NBA waters, um, but there's just a lot of moving parts with them. They don't really have an elite recruiting class coming in. 
I think that they're probably being ranked a little bit too highly because of the success they had in the NCAA tournament, similarly to what UCLA kind of did this past year. Yeah, and I'll give UCLA more credit, as I always do. Um, they, they, they were like, they were 11 seed last year, but they got hurt and fell off at the end of the year. And then um, they brought in a five-star wing and they upgraded center and like some of their guys made leaps. Like it made sense to me that they were like a top 10-ish team. It made sense um, to me too, right? But like they maybe not number top five, three. Like, yeah, that was probably a bit too much, but like it made sense to me they're a top team. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we're going to say this every year that the transfer portal exists. And now with NIL, like guys like Kofi Coburn, Armando Baycott, Hunter Dickinson, three years ago, they just go pro. They should have nothing more to prove at this level. Can't make money here. But now they can make money here like, there's so many like fringe, like you have the normal like fringe draft guys, like a Max Christie, Caleb Houston, that like they might come back, they might not. That's gonna happen every year. But now you have like the guys who like are not really NBA players, but have dominated college, but they might come back. And those are like, you know, it's it is so hard to make the preseason rankings. And if they cut, if like they run their entire team back, I probably there's no I, reason I, they shouldn't compete for the top of the ACC, but there's no reason they shouldn't compete at the top of the ACC this year. If they run it back um, and they have, like, some okay freshmen coming in, I think they lose Manic. They might get a transfer. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, like, they lose Manic. They might get a transfer. Like, I get, yeah, I get, like, top 15, top 20-ish. Kind of where they were in the preseason last year. But, yeah, I think the top five. <coughs> this is great podcasting. Um, spring, spring allergy season. Baseball started today, so. Cubs, Cubs games only on my TV, and I just started to sneeze because it's that time of the year. But yeah, top fifteen, top twenty. <laughs> oh my Third god! Time's the charm. Top fifteen, top twenty makes sense to me. Should we get out of here before you sneeze a fourth time? Oh, here it comes. Oh, a silent sneeze that time. <laughs> no, I was on mute. Oh, okay. Okay, that might be one of the funnier things that's ever happened. All right, we'll get out of here before you have to press mute or uh, sneeze again. Thank you for listening to Inside the Arc, everyone. This is a fun episode. Oh, he sneezed again. He was on mute again. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. All right. This is a good episode. A lot of moving parts. And Illinois basketball's off season. We knew this was going to happen. I don't think the parts are close to stopping. Yet, Sim just sneezed for a sixth time. He's still on mute. He's shaking his head. He, his eyes are getting puffy. <laughs> This is great. Uh, we're going to keep doing these kind of podcasts for a little bit. They're fun. There's a lot of moving parts. This is a fun time for both Sim and I, and we know fans love following along at this time of the year too. So there's sneeze number seven for Sim. We're going to get out of here, so I don't have to keep looking at Sim's sneeze. Thanks for listening, everyone. 